Welcome to the daily VFN Radio Highlights, where we're keeping the conversation light at VFNTV.com. Enjoy. Listen, this is, so one particular thing that we're noticing, and you hear people all the time talk about, they say, listen, we cannot be politically active. If we share any opinions as the church, then they will, they will take away our nonprofit status. That comes from what's called the, John, uh, the Johnson Amendment. And Johnson is uh, uh, President L.B. Johnson, the L, uh, L.B. L, LBJ. LBJ. Lyndon B. Johnson. Yeah, Lyndon B. Johnson. He had a particular, we'll talk about it. That's what we're going to talk about. But understand this, that that's what they're talking about. They're talking about the nonprofit IRS 501c3 ruling that says that if you actually uh, support a one candidate for office, you'd be in violation of the IRS Amendment nonprofit status 501c3. But the truth is, that wasn't the original intent of our nation. And the First Amendment says that you shall make no laws concerning the mm -hmm. church. But let's go. As a matter of fact, we're going to hear right now Alan Barton, uh, Kenneth Copeland, and Bishop Keith uh, Butler talk about the Johnson Amendment and how we have to begin to change it. And I know mm -hmm. that they're even talking about doing away with it in this next presidential term. It can change everything. Wow. Let's go there now. This subject matter and why we're here because it is, it is extremely important. And the, the part that, that yep, the Satan right. was able to get the church to get out of politics and don't be involved in politics and ministers never say anything about it and yep. all that was yep. of the devil yep. is what okay. contributed I, to us being where we are now. I want you both to address that. I want us to address that because I really believe that the church has got to come into a new place where this is concerned. We've all been afraid to say anything <clears throat> because of the Johnson Amendment because of the 501c3. And what I read in the Republican Party was that they were going to abolish that. Yes. They were going to get rid of that. Yes. You better explain what the Johnson Amendment is because most preachers don't even know what the Johnson Amendment is. Well, you go ahead and explain the Johnson Amendment. I'll I mean, I looked Johnson it up, Amendment. but I understand, I understand that the Johnson, Johnson Amendment prevents us from getting into a pulpit and expressing a political opinion about a candidate or about a belief well, concerning that? It's interpreted to be broader than that. What happened was back when Lyndon Baines Johnson was running for U.S. Senate in 1954, there were two groups here in Texas that took out a lot of money to run ads against him because of morals and behavior, and he had bad morals and bad behavior, and they did that, but he didn't like being criticized. Mm. So in the Senate, in an appropriations bill, he sticks a rider on an appropriations bill that was never voted on, it ran through and says, if you're a 501c3, you can't say anything about political people. Well, his intention was not to affect the church. His intention was to affect those, what we would call 527 groups or super PACs. That wasn't what they were called back then, but that's what they were. And there were two critics of his, and he wanted to shut them down. Well, number one, that's bad policy that because you get criticized, you shut somebody else's free speech out. Number two, it was never voted on the Senate. It just stuck on as a rider, and it went through. But about 10 years later, Iris goes, my gosh, look at this. Churches are 501c3s too. We can apply this to churches. They can't say anything about anything political. Yeah, they can. Because under the Constitution, see, that's why people need to understand that today, when a church gets a 501c3 letter, it's called a letter of recognition. It doesn't grant anything. Right. It recognizes mm -hmm. that you're a church. You're mm -hmm. already a church. And the reason we don't tax churches, the reason they're tax exempt, John Marshall, founding father, gave back 200 years ago, and he said the power to tax is the power to destroy. 
When we want to get rid of cigarettes, we make a $6 pack tax and we get rid of them. Well, if you can tax the church, you can destroy the church. You can cut out their free speech. You, and so tax exemptions exist to give freedom from government regulation. Well, guess what? In the Bible, all over the place, God's ministers jump on civil officials. Elijah goes, hey, Ahab, Jezebel, you know what you're doing, persecution of the Lord's prophets, what you're doing with eminent domain there with Nabal, what you're doing with suborning perjury, bringing false witnesses to the court, God's going to judge you for that. And then John the Baptist comes along and says, Herod, you've married your brother's, you can't marry your brother's wife, that's wrong. And all through the Bible, you've got all this stuff going on where the God's people, God's leaders call out the civil officials for wrong. Suddenly in America, we can't do what the Bible says anymore, at least we're told that. So the Johnson Amendment is what is used by the critics to say the church has lost its right of free speech from the pulpit. Mm -hmm. You know what? Unions are 501c3. They endorse all the time, and they speak about anything Every they election. want to. Yep. <laughs> and we say churches are 501c3s, and they can't do it. See, that's what the platform covers is we're going to get rid of that Johnson Amendment because mm -hmm. the church deserves mm -hmm. free speech. The church should be able to speak out on any issue it wants to. Um, this is, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into this for a minute here. Okay, guys. When you're, well, while you're doing that, the Republican platform says, places of worship for the first time in our history have reason to fear the loss of tax-exempt status merely for espousing or practicing traditional religious beliefs that have been held across the world for thousands of years and for almost four centuries in America. We value the right of America's religious leaders to preach and Americans to speak freely according to their faith. Republicans believe, <clears throat> believe the federal government, specifically the IRS, is constitutionally prohibited from poli uh, policing or censoring sp speech, policing or censoring speech based on religious convictions or beliefs, and therefore we urge the repeal of the Johnson Amendment. Well, I've heard you speak about the founding fathers in the early days of this yeah. nation and how the political leaders would go to church to hear from the pulpit what to do. It's worse than that. The uh, church went to the political leaders. Here's a sermon. This is a sermon preached, uh, founding year 1796, and it's a sermon preached in front of Governor John Taylor Gilman and the Council and Senate and House of Representatives, the entire state of New Hampshire. They bring a preacher in to start every legislative session. We did that for 170 years. We brought preachers in to start every state legislative session. Uh, here's a sermon on elections from the pulpit. Here's a sermon preached in front of John Hancock, signer of the Declaration, Sam Adams. They brought him in to speak to the entire Massachusetts legislature. Sermon with him. Uh, here's a sermon on the right uses of the sea. This is a sermon of sailors going out on a ship. Here's a sermon on the transatlantic telegraph. Here's a sermon preached in the U.S. Capitol. This is in the Hall of the House of Representatives. It's called The Imperishable and Saving Words of Christ, delivered in the Hall of the House of Representatives. Here's a sermon on what the military is supposed to do. Here's a sermon on an attack um, that happened in Lexington. Here's a sermon on earthquakes. Here's a sermon on the Great Fire in Boston. Here's a sermon on solar eclipse. Here's a sermon on the character of our rulers. Here's a sermon on uh, Global giving. Global warming, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. You know it is. That's, that's, that's what it is. Uh, you know, here's George Whitfield's sermon. Here's another George Whitfield sermon. Uh, here, here's the liquor law of Massachusetts. Here's one on marriage. Uh, here's one on the Great Bridge. Uh, here's one on the sin of selfishness. Here's one, a sermon on property tax. Here's a sermon on the stamp tax. Here's a sermon on communism and churches. Here's a sermon on Christian and patriotism. Here's a sermon on the Civil War scene from the pulpit. I think we preached about every sermon under the sun, and the Johnson Amendment wouldn't let us do most of these today. 
and this is history in America, and it's history in the Bible. We, we've lost our voice. And in Europe, we have in Europe, mm. reason why it's in such this uh, spiritual wasteland in Europe. Yeah. In Europe, that's the first thing they did. That's right. What mm -hmm. what you couldn't couldn't say out of the pulpit. Yeah. That's it. First you take that voice. So can either of you go ahead and encourage pastors because the George Barna study that just came out. There are less pastors and ministers this election cycle talking about the election because one of the reasons he listed was that he was afraid that people would leave his church. Yeah. That's why they don't preach about I it. I want to show you this, this poll right here. This, this done recently, I got with George Barn on this. I was on a national TV program and we were talking about this kind of stuff. That, and, and so the, the commentator said, why don't, why don't you people that sit in the, in the pews go tell your, your preacher you want to hear some of this stuff? And he looked at me and said, what should they tell them they want to hear? That's a great question. So I called Barna and said, hey, here's the deal. What do Christians who sit in the pews want to hear from their pastors? Great thought. George put this together. Went to the field and called. Now, I'm on the board of a group that does a lot of polling. George does the polling. And they call between six and 800 churches every day. Six and eight hundred churches a day, three hundred seventy thousand churches in America. They ask the churches six different questions, and from that they can tell whether they believe the Bible or not. About twenty-eight percent of pastors in America are Bible-believing pastors, so that's about a hundred thousand churches. Seventy-two percent not. Of that twenty-eight percent, the people who attend those Bible-believing churches went to them and say, "Your Bible-believing pastor, Bible-believing church, what do you feel like you really need to hear out of the pulpit?" About 150 things came in. So, okay, now let's take those 150 things and let's go back and say, out of these 150 things, how do you rate them? It, it, the the Likert scales, the five things is this is not very important to me. This is somewhat important. Yeah, it's kind of important. This is very important. This is crucial. Mm -hmm. So rank those 150 things. On the issue of very important to crucial, there were 14 issues where 70% of the church says, I've got to hear about this from the pulpit. This is crucial that I hear about this stuff in the pulpit. So here's the, here's the issues, and here's the, the ranks. Now, it, it, it's interesting that within this, this group, this is what Bible-believing people say, I'm not being trained on from the pulpit. I've got to hear this. Okay. Issue number one, 91% of the of Christians in the pulpit said, or Christians said, the pulpit needs to train me on this. And, and let, me, let me say one other thing up front is of the 50 states, politically you can self-identify as conservative, liberal, or moderate. And what you find is there's only three states in the United States where conservatives outnumber, were, were only three states in the United States where liberals outnumber conservatives. Now, you would never know that by watching news or anything else. You'd think that conservatives are the, the last remnant. Only three states are they outnumbered by liberals. You so got the cowboys and hillbillies. You ain't, ain't nobody counting them. <laughs> well, uh, well, that's part of it. But the other problem is what we find is that if you're liberal or moderate, you're happy to tell everybody your opinion. doesn't matter whether it's true or not. You're going to tell everybody your opinion. Yeah. Conservatives don't want to tell people their opinion unless they know it's founded on truth and right because they want to make sure that what they're saying is exactly mm -hmm. right. So they're really, they're really pretty silent because they're not confident in what they know. Mm. And so pro-life people that go to church, they don't know why they're pro-life, and they don't know how to articulate it, and they don't know how to defend it. And I don't know any Bible verses that deal with pro-life. I'm pro-life, but I can't defend myself. And so what they're asking for is help me understand how to answer these questions. 
And so the number one issue, 91% of Christians in Bible-believing churches says, I need to hear about abortion, the beginning of life, right to life, contraception, adoption, and unwed mothers, 91%. Number two, 86% of church-going Christians said, I need to hear about religious persecution liberty. I need to know the personal duty, the government duty, the church response, and the global conditions. And by the way, that is the most unpreached subject right now that's out there is religious persecution, despite the genocide that we have with ISIS. Number three is poverty. 85% said, train me on poverty. What's my personal duty? What's the government's role? What's the church role? What do we do with hum homelessness, hunger, dependency? Bible answers all that, but they don't know what to say about it. They've got their opinions, but they don't. Number four is cultural restoration, uh, appropriate morals, law and order, defensible values and norms, and self-government, which is what you were doing with that sermon on, on, on the police. And, and here's number, number five, 82% said, train me on sexual identity. I need to know about same-sex marriage, transgenderism, marriage, LGBT. When, when they tell me if two people love each other, why can't they get married? What's my response? How do I respond to that? Because we don't know how to answer. So number six is Israel. 80% said, I need to know more about Israel. I need to know its role in the world. Christian responsibility to Israel. U.S. foreign policy toward Israel. And Update me. Give me the information. I, I'm willing to go out and defend this stuff. I just don't know what to say. That's what they're asking the pulpit to do. Now, I can go through the others. That's the top six. And, and there's, there's can 14. Can you get that online? Is that yes. available online? Yes. If you go to wallbuilders.com. This is so important. As a matter of fact, we're going to mm -hmm. make the entire survey available to you at vfntv.com on the VFN tour. But let's go back and let's hear what Alan Barton has, has to say. David Barton is talking about this Johnson Amendment and how it's, it wasn't like this. Mm -hmm. You know what? Believe again that we can get back to the original tent of our nation and be free again to be able to speak the truth again. Let's go back. I can go through the others. That's the top six. And, and there's, there's can 14. Can you get that online? Is that yes. available online? If you go to wallbuilders.com, we have this, what God's okay. people want to hear. Right. Now, then we went to pastors and said, do you talk about any of this stuff at all? And so when we got to pastors and asked them whether they talked about this or not, let me get over to the pastor numbers. Pretty interesting. Uh, number one on the issue 91% of people said, I need to hear about abortion. 59% of pastors have mentioned abortion from the pulpit. But when you ask the parishioners, have you heard, have you heard the pastor talk about abortion? Only 50% have actually heard the pastor talk about abortion, which means he made a passing comment of three seconds, mm. only talked about it once in the last four years, and they had missed church that Sunday. So it's not a theme kind of thing. Number two on that, uh, remember number two on the list was religious persecution. That didn't even show up when pastors talking about it at all, not even there. Um, Same-sex marriage was number five on the list. 67% of pastors said they've talked about it, but only 46% of people in pews heard them talk about it. So, I mean, we've got this big disconnect between what the Bible says now. Went back, Barna recently went back with, I think, the poll you're talking about, because went back to these guys and said, you 28% of pastors that, that say you believe the Bible, do you think the Bible addresses the issue of immigration? Do you think it addresses the, the issue of abortion? Does it address marriage? Does the Bible address transgenderism? Does the Bible address economics? Two dozen issues, and between 91 and 97% of those pastors said, yes, the Bible addresses it. All right, that's good news for us. Then the next question was asked, are you going to speak about any of those things? 90% of those guys said, no, I will not talk about those issues. Whoa, between 91 and 97% of you just said the Bible talks about it, but 90% of you said you're not going to talk about what the Bible talks about? That's in our Bible-believing churches. And so that's the, that's the issue we face, and that's where Christians have got to be equipped. 
Pastors, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, God, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Pastors need to step up and feed the sheep. They're begging for food. I mean, get some backbone. Step up and do this kind of stuff. Johnson mm -hmm. Amendment needs to go away. The, the reason why that is, uh, is because of fear. Yeah. Sure yeah. Okay, it's a fear of particularly two, is two issues. One, that if you, if you preach this kind of stuff, you will lose members over it. I have lost thousands of members out You've of You've lost church. thousands, brother. Uh, out of doing that. But they, okay, so I know it's true. another group that comes back in. But that gets back to who's Lord. That's right. See? Mm -hmm. So if Jesus is Lord, yeah. and of course the word kurios, Lord, means controller. Mm -hmm. if, if he's the controller of you and you're the shepherd of the sheep, you're going to have to give an account to Jesus whether or not you allowed him to control you or your fear. And the other fear is if I lose the members, then that means then I don't get the tithes and offerings. And, and that's the bottom line. That's the bottom that's line. The bottom line. Yeah. Because it was sin. Yeah. It was sin not to obey God. Wow. And the love of money, money. was the oh, root man. of the evil. That's right. Oh. See, it comes down to that. And you think, you think God's not going to deal with you about that matter. And that's one reason why preachers die prematurely. A lot of the stuff happens because of the unwillingness to do what they are called to do. You are going to, in our position, if you teach the truth, you are going to have some hits. So what? I was going through the there Word. Ain't nothing new about that. I was Welcome going to the real world. <laughs> yeah. I was going through the Word of God, looking at it. In fact, I was in Greece uh, about two months ago, walking through the steps of Paul, and I actually saw the terrain. Mm. I watched the terrain that Paul actually walked and went through, and then then read when he talked. And I went to ancient Corinth and these places. Perils of robbers, yeah. perils of wild animals. And you look at the terrain, and let me tell you something. I looked at that and I went, oh man, I'm such a weasel. I mean, <laughs> what a whip. <laughs> you, you see what this guy did. I couldn't and, carry and, his books, man. And, no, man. <laughs> yeah. And then you yeah. read the Philippians 4, you know, uh, uh, I received an offering from Epaphroditus, this thing you sent for me an offering this week. Well, mm. well in order to bring the offering to Paul, Epaphroditus had to walk through these mountains with robbers who would kill you and lions who would eat mm -hmm. you and all the stuff and go through these mountains and this terrain even to bring the yeah. offering to Paul. But, but, yeah, that's he, didn't verse he didn't lose his 501c. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, see, then Paul said, of course, stupid, isn't it? my God Surprise. shall supply yeah. all your yeah. needs according to his yeah. riches and glory yeah. by Christ Jesus. Brian. In other words, because they were willing to put their necks on the line to get the gospel to others, God was filled to the full, your every need according to his riches and glory, which is the Holy Spirit, will get involved and make sure that your needs are met, not the tithes and offerings from your church. That's right. And yeah. see, so it's going to be a lot of ministers going to be in trouble, I think, and are in trouble. Uh, and stand before God for not telling the people the truth. See, it, I'm going to tell you right now, yeah, you're going to make some people mad and you're going to lose some members over it uh, and and you may lose some orphans so then God will just show you, give you miracles. Can I throw out a litmus test on this? Because you, you hit something that just sounded something to me. Remember Jesus said the difference between a shepherd and a hireling yep. is a shepherd's willing to throw himself in front of the danger between the flock and the danger and a hireling sees the danger and runs from it. 
Yeah. And here comes transgenderism. Well, I'm going to keep my mouth shut there. Throw yourself in front of the danger. Here comes same-sex marriage or homosexuality or LGBT. Or, uh, yeah. We live for the gospel. Whatever happened to dying for it? <laughs> That's uncomfortable. <laughs> Let's not do that. We're supposed to live by faith and die by faith. Well, and Bishop, uh, you're right, brother. It's absolutely the truth. Uh, yeah, it's just, right. it's there. You know, in 1 Timothy 6 says, fight the good fight of faith. Okay. Uh, but people don't read the rest of that. Yeah. And lay hold on eternal life, put spiritual things above natural things, whereunto you are called, that's your calling, and has professed a good profession or acknowledgement before many witnesses. The next verse says, Jesus professed a good profession mm -hmm. before Pontius Pilate. Yes, he did. Yes, yes. Yes. Oh, then you go back to Matthew 11. Yes. Okay, I believe it is. Uh, and then you read Jesus' confession before Pontius Pilate. Jesus acknowledged when he said, you said you're the son of God. And remember, Pontius Pilate's the government. And the government has power to execute mm -hmm. and do various things to you, right? And he asked, are you the son of God? You say I am. Mm -hmm. In other words, he wasn't afraid of the government. He wasn't afraid of what, else, what other consequences yes, are. He was going to follow what his father told him to do. That's the good fight of faith. Yeah. That's the real good fight of faith. Okay. And it's too much wimpism in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know, Jesus said, you're not above me. Yeah. They persecuted me. Get used to Absolutely. it. And if you're running from that, then you, yeah. you think you're above Jesus. And you We're can't not having to deal with lions eating us on the... On the trail, or people, or people cutting our heads off, and we all just that have sort to deal with social media. We just got to deal with social media. You know, you the know. answer to that is don't read it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. See, we're we're wimps and can't take social media, and they were dealing with lions. Well, John, John the Baptist, he he says here in Luke three, it says verse ten. The people asked him, saying, "What shall we then do?" He preached to the people. Then in verse twelve, then came the publicans, or the tax collectors, or the government came to him saying, Master, what shall we do? Then in verse 14, the soldiers, the military, said likewise, demanding, what shall we do? So he was reaching into all of these areas that we should be reaching into. And I, I want you to pray. But remember, in verse 16, he remembered his 501c3 and retracted all that yeah, stuff. No. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, no. It's no. Not verse 16. no. No. It's only in America. No, he said 16. in verse 16, I baptize with water, but one mightier than I is coming. Um, I want you to pray right now for all of those of us who are in the ministry. Yeah. Pray over us. We, we need to be emboldened. We yes. must be emboldened yes. to be able to take this to our congregations. Jesus said we are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses the Savior, it's not good for anything but to be walked on. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of walking going on yeah. in the body of Christ simply mm -hmm. over this issue right here. And the shepherds are the first line of defense. So important. Mm -hmm. I mean, who would have ever thought that, you know, God has called us. I mean, think of what he told Paul when he saved Paul, Saul to Paul, mm -hmm. you know, and he, uh, Ananias went to him to be able to pray for him. And the Lord told him, he says, I'm going to show you some things that you must suffer for me. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Some things you must suffer for me. We have preached a gospel in America that's absent of suffering. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, the first little friction that takes place, people go, well, that's not God. They run from it. You know, if I can't play, it ain't God, right? Where's the fun in this, uh -huh. right? I mean, it's, it's, people do think like that, believe it or not. People actually do think like that, right? 
they do think like this. Mm-hmm. I was just hearing this morning. Anyway, so, so you think about this, that Jesus said a student will not be treated any better than their teacher. So when we actually follow the teacher, we follow and do what Jesus said do, we're going to experience what Jesus experienced. We like the idea of like, that means we're going to have miracles? Yeah. Healing, signs, wonders, the power of God, and the advancement of the kingdom. But yeah, persecution comes with that too. God, get, God spoke to me in a night vision. He showed me this particular lady, and she had a big hump in her back, like just big like growth or just a big hump in her back. And we had this large religious gathering of people there. I was speaking at this gathering. It's in this vision. And my heart was just moving with compassion with her over her. And I said, ma'am, come forward. Come forward up here. You know, And I, I put my hand on her shoulder and I put my hand on her back and I was fixing to press her back. This bump, God was just like, push this bump and God was going to deal with it and heal her back. All of a sudden, a large percentage of the people who were gathered there, the religious folks, they began scattering and doing all kinds of things. You know why? Because when the true kingdom arrives, when the true power of God arrives, it begins to filter out you know, who, who's truly following God? Because why in the world would you want to run from the power of God? Which kingdom are you of? Which kingdom of you are? And so I want to encourage you that as we're, as we're transitioning in this next season, I believe there's going to be just, a, you know, historically we have like one or two people that are moving in the power of God. I believe the whole body's going to be awakened. And, the, and these signs are going to follow you because you believe. What signs? People are being healed. People are being delivered. You know, the things that he talks about in, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, on through 20. And Jesus will work with you, confirming his word. It's a very exciting time. But to do that, to understand, but it's going to come with troubles. It's going to come with difficulties. Satan's not, Satan and his captives, those who held captive to do his will, as Paul wrote Timothy about that, he says, gently instruct them in hopes that they would repent and get free from that. But understand this. Somebody's held captive, they're just going to do some, do some crazy things trying to get you to not move in the will and the power of God. That's what's going to set you apart. I mean, you think, I know we're fixing to go to a break, but think about this. When John the Baptist was going through a time of discouragement, after he had baptized Jesus, and uh, he sent his followers out to go find Jesus and ask him the question, are you the one? Are you the one? And Jesus didn't say, who does he think he is? What? He knew who I was when he baptized. I am the son. He didn't do that. He says, listen, he turned quickly, he says, and he began to lay hands on people and heal people and drive out demonic oppression and began to just move with the power of God. And then he looks back at the people that John the Baptist sent to him. He says, go tell him what you saw. Go tell him what you saw. It's time. The world wants to see the fullness of the gospel and the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to see. You know, if you're willing to be a part of what God wants to do in the face of the earth, I'm telling you, this is some very exciting, exciting days. The first thing you can do, you know, is get active. Don't let anybody hold you back. Become a disciple. If you haven't yet become a disciple, you may be a believer, but you haven't been discipled yet. And Jesus said, those who know and follow my teachings are my disciples. We have a simple plan for you. It's at vinefellowshipnetwork.org. You just click on Emmaus Road and choose the path that you want to go on. I'm telling you. It just changes your life forever. I do think it's very interesting to think about the Johnson Amendment that um, it's only the the organization that's restricted. Mm -hmm. And it's only the pastor or the staff in the context of moving in that organization, the corporation, the nonprofit corporation, if you want to put it that way, or the, the church. Well, 
That means your entire gathering, all 2,000, 3,250, whatever, however how many, you're not restricted to anything. You can say anything anytime. Nobody ever restricted you. Mm -hmm. If you ever have used that as an excuse, I'm telling you, there's no, there's no reason. Even a pastor can say, I support this candidate and this is my name. It's just not using the organization necessarily to do it. But understand this, the quietest moment recently in a campaign for somebody that's running for president, the quietest moment was a room full of ministers, maybe a thousand ministers. And when the particular candidate says, I'm going to have the Johnson Amendment removed, there was no applause. There was no, this is great. They didn't say anything. You know why? Because we don't want conflict. It's an excuse for us not to say things that make people uncomfortable. Mm. Jesus said, don't suppose I came to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. He's not talking about being mean. He's talking about just tell the truth and let it land where it lands. Well, I think about what they had said before. It's just like it comes back to, you know, if Jesus is Lord, which he is, mm -hmm. and the difference between a shepherd and a hireling, mm -hmm. you know, when, when danger comes, a shepherd gets in between the flock and the, and, and the danger, and the hireling right. runs from it. Right. And it's like in these moments when danger presents itself, now is the time that the true church is going to rise and and move boldly in these in these realities. Yes, most definitely. And that, so I want to encourage you that nobody's holding you back but you. Mm. Uh, it's time to step up. But first, become Jesus' disciple first. Because if you begin to speak out on issues that you don't have a biblical worldview on, you might be speaking out of preference. I don't like that. I don't think that's good. Which those could line up with what God says in His Word. But find out what the Lord says in His Word. And the first thing that we have to do is begin to live that out ourselves. To begin to walk that out ourselves. We have to be the example. We don't tell people the example. They look at our life and they go, okay, I can watch his life. I can watch her life. And that's what you're supposed to do. That's who you're supposed to be. And that encourages folks because then they say it's doable. You know, that God is empowering you to be able to walk that walk. Becoming the disciple of Jesus Christ is the first thing you do. Right now we have a lot of folks that, are, that don't know the teaching. 81% of the people that are Christians in, the, in the, the United States don't even pick up the Bible, but yet we're telling people some biblical sayings or principles or that type of thing. So I just want to encourage you, position yourself and, and to be able to receive from God and begin to speak the truth. As a matter of fact, let's let them who's carried this out close it out in prayer for us. So Father, in the name of Jesus, mm, thank you. I pray for every shepherd in America. I pray you will open their eyes that they may once again have light, revelation, and understanding, not only just of the word, but also of the consequences to those you set them over. I pray you would strengthen them with might in the inner man and grant them Boldness. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Once again, for you and your word, and not fear the face of the people. Yeah. I pray that once again you will show them about the riches in glory, the Holy mm. Spirit Himself, the wealth as fullness, the valuable bestowment that through you, Father, their every need will be supplied. Send them financial miracles from the north, the south, the east, and Thank the you, west Jesus. as they are faithful unto you. You've done it in our ministry, and we thank you for it. Mm -hmm. And you have no, you have no mm. special favorites except those who will follow you. Thank you, Jesus. And so I pray for every single shepherd, and I pray 
you will raise up Bible schools in America yeah. that raise up pastors that have this backbone. Yes, amen. Thank you, Lord. In yes. Jesus' authority. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. You've just been listening to the highlights from VFN TV and the Daily Radio program, where we're keeping the conversation light. Listen or watch more programs and check out the VFN Torch at VFNTV.com. Don't forget about our VFN TV app, where no matter where you are, you can take the light with you and share with your friends. We want to thank our sponsors and partners who make this program possible. Take the time and support our sponsors. You can locate them at vfntv.com and select sponsors. If you'd like to become a sponsor or a partner, you can do so at vfntv.com. VFN TV and the Daily Radio Program, where we're keeping the conversation light.